Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. We have been in this pandemic for over a year now. While our concern for our physical health has been at the forefront of our minds, we have also had something else to think about, our mental health. Our recurring mantra during the COVID-19 pandemic has been, we need to look after our mental health. We should take the time for our own mental well-being. It's okay to look after our mental health. But what does that mean? Who do we turn to for help? What does that help look like? And who is going to pay for that help? These are questions that no one has answered so far. Well, since this is Mental Health Awareness Month, for today's episode, we invited on Melody McGregor of the Canadian Mental Health Association for Halton uh, to discuss this topic. Melanie is the Mental Health Promotion Specialist at the CMHA Halton Region Branch. She helps the community talk and learn about mental health and addictions however she can, including training and a weekly column in local Halton newspapers. She is a Mental Health First Aid Canada Master Trainer, an Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training Trainer, and lives in Halton Region. We invited her on today to share her expertise and her knowledge on this topic. As an aside, if you've been enjoying the 905er, please consider becoming a 905er yourself by joining our Patreon. Your assistance goes a long way to helping us tell these stories, and a link to join us in the show notes. Now on with the episode. I'd like to thank uh, Melanie McGregor from CMHA uh, Oakville for uh, for joining us, and I'm hoping I got that right because we just went over it before we hit record, and now I'm thinking I might have messed that up. Did I get that right, Melanie? No, you got it. Perfectly right. Yes. CMHA, okay. which is Canadian Mental Health Association. Yes. And I'm from the Halton Region Branch, which is indeed in Oakville. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, well, thank you for coming on uh, the podcast today. We're talking, of course, about uh, mental health, which is uh, kind of on all of our minds with the pandemic. Uh, we've all been in lockdown for, I don't know, forever now, it seems. Um, it, you know, this this is a, a, a topic that keeps coming up. Is You know, we keep hearing uh, oh, we need to look after our own mental health and our own, our own, uh, our own. Uh, uh, you know, it just be, be mindful of our thoughts during lockdown. And I guess, as an expert in the field, what what does what does that mean for you, as opposed to the rest of us lay lay people out there who uh, who are who are hearing it? What 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 is it that you you think it means uh, to the rest of us? Yeah, well, I mean, when we talk about mental health, one thing that I always like to emphasize is that mental health is something that we all have, that sometimes it's been used in a stigmatizing way to say, oh, that person has mental health, meaning that that person has a mental health problem. But we all have mental health and it's very normal for it to fluctuate from day to day, depending on what's going on in our lives. But what we're seeing during the pandemic are some things that have been going on much longer. Like you said, it feels like it's been forever things that you know when we look at what are some of the common things that can have an impact on our mental health well you know change uh stressors uh, uncertainty maybe not having as strong a support system as we would like to not having hobbies or not staying connected to people those are things that can typically take a toll on most people's mental health and when we look at the pandemic we're pretty much having all of that we're having you know different ways of working and socializing um, just even the question around how long is this going to go on? Go on? How? When are things going to get back to quote unquote normal? Um, the things that we may all do every day to cope with our mental health, the pandemic may be interfering with some of those. I've, I've talked to lots of people who said going to the gym is their form of self care. That's how they care for their health and wellness. Well, 
that's really impossible or limited in a lot of cases. So there's a whole number of reasons why I think people's mental health is being impacted. Now, of course, we're all individuals. Different things are going to impact our mental health differently. But CMHA has done, <coughs> excuse me, some studies and cooperations with some other partners. And the most recent one just was released last week. And it said that almost 80% of Canadians are saying that they're feeling negative emotions because of the pandemic. So whether they're feeling stressed, lonely, isolated, sad, bored, anxious. Uh, so we know that the impacts of the pandemic are really wide reaching. And it's well, it may not be affecting everybody in the same way, it's affecting everybody in some way. And that includes our mental health as well as many other things in our lives. One of the, the things that you mentioned at the start was that, you know, we're, we're at a, things sort of, uh, yeah, out of sync and, and just were, it's unusual. The one thing that struck me about, you know, doing a year of this like lockdown isolation bit is that, you know, it, it's, it, I can see how it's taking a toll on, on, on somebody's just, well-being i mean if like we're we're not meant to not interact with human beings we're we're social creatures by our like, human nature we're just we're meant to go out interact even for like brief moments of of a time um this seems like some you know if you think about it i think the pandemic is almost like this long perverse social experiment on you know sensory deprivation almost like we we can't go out and can't have those you know physical interactions that you normally would you know go go for a you know, a beer on a patio or, or a coffee with a friend just to catch up and, and say hi, like that. So I, I can see, I, I know that, I guess, I, like, what, what are you, what are you seeing on the, on the ground that of people just like, we're over a year into this, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what are you seeing uh, as a professional on the ground uh, uh, as a result of all this? I know at, at our CMHA, we, prior to the pandemic, we offered uh, a free walk-in counseling service four days a week in Halton, where people could walk in, talk to a counselor for free with no waiting list, no appointment. Now we've since, at the start of the pandemic, we flipped that to a call-in model, which we still continue with. That's still available. But the folks who, who have been working on providing the call-in counseling have said that there's lots of people calling who have never reached out for mental health supports before. So I think we're getting people that, again, when those coping abilities are taxed, when it's just seems to be going on and on the never ending change and we're not sure how to cope, it seems like hopefully more people are recognizing that and reaching out for support. So I know yeah, there's people that maybe wouldn't have felt those impacts on their mental health or not felt them to the point that they would then reach out for support. So it's it's good that people are recognizing that and at least reaching out for those resources. But that's one thing that we're hearing a lot of from people is, you know, I, I remember last year when you know, we were going to have this two week lockdown and everyone kind of had stars in their eyes, right? But, oh, I'm going to paint my house or I'm going to organize my closets. And it was kind of a novelty at the time. And now here we are over a year later and everyone's it's that compound stress that we've been going for months and months and months with all this change. And like you said, people who that's part of their self-care is socializing with people. You know, sure. We can still connect over video calls or whatever it is, but it's not, it's not the same. Will it still have an impact on our mental health? Sure. It can definitely be helpful, but for people who are really social beings, this is immensely challenging when they don't have that support system they can connect with as as personally as they might have before the pandemic. So I hear you on that one. 
I was just saying to someone literally this morning, um, uh, I was like, you know, even for the um, the, the the more um, not antisocial is not the right word. <laughs> As usual, I've forgotten the word I'm looking for. Um, the the less extrovert, the more introverted amongst us. I certainly found the first month or so of of, of lockdown almost like a vac- vacation because everything had stopped. Uh, my email had stopped. You know, it, it was quiet. I could, you know, from my point of view, it was like I can get on with work because I'm not being interrupted. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as the months go on and the months go on that's when it really gets hard, you know, and it's um, even people who, who might naturally say, I don't really need that much company. I, you know, I'm quite fine. Just left my own devices. I think now are going, okay, I could do with a party now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's not to be underestimated, is it? I mean, it, it really catches up with you after a while, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. And people can have that healthy balance. So maybe they're more on the introverted side. So they figure, hey, you know, I'll socialize with people, but then I need a little bit of time for myself. But now, given that that socializing is really tough, it could have tipped too much to that to that yeah. balance. You know, now I feel like the times that I do really want to reach out to someone, it's, it's just not the same as it used to be. Now, in terms of the, uh, I mean, I, I've spoken to a, a few mental health professionals in the last uh, few months. Um, and, and the impression I get is that, you know, every social worker, every psychiatrist, every psychologist in, in probably in Canada, but let's say Ontario and the GTA for now is pretty much working at the limit. Is that, is that your experience? That's what we're hearing a lot of. That was a lot of what we were hearing even before the pandemic started, that the mental health and addiction support system was really taxed in terms of the the demand for it was really exceeding the capacity of the system to meet that demand. So even before the pandemic, we would always hear lots about wait times. I mean, people can be waiting months in order to get in to, to get that support. And so with more and more people reaching out, it's a good thing that they're reaching out, but what that can lead to is longer wait times and even more tax on the system. So it's something I think that has always been a conversation, but I feel like the pandemic has brought it even out more in terms of, okay, as this is going on, I've, I've heard since the start of the pandemic, what was called kind of a shadow pandemic or a secondary pandemic of, yes, we're going to see what's happening with the COVID cases, but what about the impacts on mental health? If people needing that kind of support, if that number continues to climb, it's going to be even more challenging. That demand is going to be even higher. Now, we've had in recent years. I mean, the the uh, the stigma associated with health, with mental health uh, issues, has been very much the, the focus of of a number of publicity. Is the Bell Let's Let's Talk um, campaign, which has got a lot of attention. Um, and uh, <laughs> I have to admit, actually, both me and Joel have have separately somewhat grumbled about that at times because mm-hmm. it's like, well. My kind of feeling was, yeah, talk is cheap. You know, <laughs> it's like you need the money behind it. it yeah, absolutely. We 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 needed to take on that stigma of mental health being something that people didn't talk about. Um, but um, without the kind of funding basis behind it, it, it seems like a real. Um, we're not really tackling the issue properly. Um, and for anybody listening who doesn't know this, uh, mental health. Um, uh, in terms of sort of ther- uh, uh, 
therapy and seeing psychologists or social workers or whatever, by and large, is not funded by OHIP. So you can get to see a psychiatrist on on OHIP, but um, other than that, you're somewhat and you can explain it better than I can. Could you just go through um, to and kind of explain the kind of funding picture for, for mental health supports in Ontario? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you would have things like psychiatrists that you, that you mentioned. So those kind of you know medical supports would be supported. Um, I know there's things like family health teams that are available where there may be uh, social workers or other kinds of mental health professionals that would be attached to a family doctor that may be able to provide those kind of supports. Some people may have access to employee assistance programs through their workplaces uh, there are some free counseling programs available in various communities, but sometimes there's a real challenge with, again, capacity issues that if you're not able to to find free services or the free services aren't timely enough or inappropriate, sometimes people are left in a position where the option for them is to pay for a private counselor or a private social worker. Unfortunately, that puts up a lot of barriers for a lot of people where because it, it's not inexpensive to find those kinds of services. So it's definitely a lot of equity issues that uh, that come in when it comes to accessing that support, because if you can wait for the free services, OK, that's one thing. But that becomes challenging again as the wait times get longer and longer and longer. It's for someone to reach out for help, because now, like you said, more and more people are talking about mental health. That's great. We love it when people talk during Mental Health Week or Bell Let's Talk or whatever it is. But then what comes next is when people start talking, then the question is, okay, once I've talked, then where do we go from there? Where are those supports that are available? And so I think it's it's pretty clear to most people in the field that we would love there to be more options available and more accessible options for people as well. It's not always what, easy what to is- find the support when you need it. Well, that, that kind of comes to one of our, our criticisms of the things like the Bell Let's Talk campaign is that it's it's great. I mean, you, we definitely need to tear down the, that stigma against mental health uh, or, or mental health awareness, I, I guess I, I want to frame it as. But this is a big but. I, my impression is that we still view mental health as it's a private thing. Like we would say, like we as we said during this pandemic, you know, the, the phrase is like you have to look after your mental health. So, you know, take take some time to yourself and or, or, or whatever have you. And that's good. But it's still it's like the, the framing is if you have a, a mental illness, it's your responsibility. It's your fault. And you need to to somehow treat it. It's not a you know, we, we don't view it as, oh, uh, you know, you have cancer or you have some other kind of chronic illness. You would go to a doctor and the doctor would diagnose you and say, okay, here's a list of treatment options. We're going to start you on, you know, chemotherapy, medication. You might have to do some therapy. You might, you know, whatever your illness, your illness is to say, this is how we're going to treat it. We don't treat mental illness that way in this, in this province. It's still very much like, okay, you have, you have, you think you have a mental illness, you treat it, you, you figure it out on your own. And yeah, if you have some money laying around, okay, go get a therapist, go go talk to a psychiatrist, go talk to a psychologist or, or a worker or whatever have you. But it's very much a private matter. Like we 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 just don't have that that idea. Of like you know what, it might take a team of people to assess somebody, treat them, assign medication, then to monitor that medication. You know, like it's 
this disconnect of you know that I, I guess like my, my frustration is like with the PR campaigns is that they turn to just be PR campaigns of, hey, you know, let's talk about mental health. Great. I have I have an issue. I, I need I need help. Where do I go? Oh, we don't bother with that. That's you know that's a different department, and that's you know mm-hmm. that there's this this disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yep, I hear you, and I think what you're really highlighting is again the stigma that there is some st- still is some stigma attached to mental health and mental illness. Have we come a long way? Absolutely, we have. But I feel like you know the say for example, Bill, let's talk. It's, it's amazing when people start talking about mental health, but I think part of the question too is what are we talking about? You know, are we talking about the resources that may be available in particular communities? Are we talking about and advocating for the need for more funding or more supports that are available? Are we talking about not just the professional supports that people may access, but are we talking about other things that people may, may be able to do to, to manage when they're experiencing some declining mental health, but it's sometimes what we hear from people who reach out for support is you often don't know how to navigate the mental health system, mental health and addiction support system until you need to know. And often when you need to know is when you're struggling in one way or another, and it could, it can be difficult to navigate those things. But I hear you, we hear that all the time that there are a lot of challenges with reaching out and finding that support quickly and having that journey be smooth in order to find the right support. So those are some of the things that CMHA has been advocating for is what can we do to create more capacity in the system and make it a, a smoother journey, not just for people themselves who may be experiencing declining mental health, but their their whole families, because it's definitely going to affect everybody in the family when someone is struggling. Well, well a, good, a good question to ask is of anyone is to say, if you think you, ha- you have a mental illness, where do you go? And that's like, uh, like that for a lot of people, that basic question, like if I had said, if you broke your arm, you would know exactly where to go. You go to, to the ER, or if you said, I'm, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to go to my doctor, right? You you, you just know what, mm-hmm. what to do. If I'm like saying, I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts or I'm having, you know, I'm just, I'm having dark thoughts. Wh- where do, where do I go to talk about that? Mm-hmm. Great Actually, question. You know what? Where, where, where would you go to talk? I'm going to ask you. You're the professional. If somebody is, if somebody's listening right now and they're saying, "I'm having these thoughts," or "I'm, I'm thinking I'm not well," where, where do they go? Where, where should they go? Well, there are different options depending on what someone may be experiencing. So, if someone is saying, "Yes, I'm having thoughts of suicide. Yes, I feel like I may be in crisis, or I don't know if I'm going to be safe, or I'm concerned about someone else in my life, maybe who's having thoughts of suicide." Uh, it's knowing the resources that are available in your own community. So in Halton, we at CMHA, we have a 24-7 crisis line called COAST. So the number is one 825 So COAST is available 24-7 for anyone to call around, you know, this is what I'm experiencing. They can, they'll reach a crisis professional who can talk to them about what they're experiencing, talk to them about plans for safety and suggest other resources and supports if those are helpful. Um, If someone is feeling like, "Hmm, you know, I don't feel like I'm in crisis, but I feel like something isn't right. I've noticed some changes. I'm having trouble coping with things day to day. You know, I'm I'm having disruption in my day to day life. Some options, again, speaking about Holton, some things that we would suggest are, you know, a visit to a family doctor and talking to that doctor about everything that you're experiencing because 
sometimes people will go to their doctor and say, hey, I'm having trouble sleeping or I'm having headaches or whatever it may be. They may not talk about, oh, yeah, and I'm feeling anxious a lot of the time or I'm crying a lot or I don't feel motivated. So it's talking about the range of things that someone's experiencing, you know, physically, emotionally, their thoughts, all those kinds of things. Um, also, I mentioned about our free call-in counseling that we have at CMHA. And sometimes people call the call-in counseling because they don't know where to start. They know something's going on. They know they need something, but they're not really quite sure where to start. So the free call-in counseling is a good place to start. Um, local distress centers as well. We have Distress Center Halton in Halton, which is a fabulous resource um, if there are supports at work. So again, people may have employee assistance programs or peer support systems at work. Some of those things may be helpful. Um, if there are counselors that they're aware of or that they're attached to through their family doctor, reaching out to supports like that. Even we encourage people, one of the other reasons why we really encourage people, let's try to get past that stigma and really share what we're all experiencing, is that if people have someone in their life who has shared that they've experienced declining mental health or they have a mental illness, Hopefully that sends the message to other people, you know, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to talk about it with me. So sometimes it's not just the professionals, it's our friends, it's our family members, colleagues that we might, uh, that we might reach out to. But I know I, I teach courses called Mental Health First Aid that focus on how do we recognize signs of declining mental health and how do we provide support. And one piece of homework I always give people is get to know the resources in your community, get to know your 24-7 crisis line get to know other kind of supports that are available. And if anyone is stuck thinking, okay, I'm not entirely sure where to turn for support, even a call to your local Canadian Mental Health Association is a great suggestion because they can get you pointed in the right direction. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, and and just on the subject of, of, uh, of, of sharing information, I mean, I'll be completely frank, I have over long before COVID, <laughs> I've made use of Halton's mental health services on a number of, and uh, yeah, I, I will mention that the if you're a member of a family health team, which which I am, uh, what a lifesaver that was for me um, back about ten years ago or so, um, because there was a a um, uh, a social worker and therapist on the staff, and that meant there was no wait, there was no you know it was basically oh yeah go and see. Robert Long, I'm going to mention his name because he's an awesome guy. <laughs> he may listen mm -hmm. to this. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, uh, the shame of it is that that's somewhat of a lottery. So I um, I could ultimately afford to pay for a therapist. Um, many other, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't particularly enjoy the process, but I could just about do it. Other people, you can't pay $250, $300 for an hour with, it, with, it, with a uh, therapist. And yet, based purely on who your GP is or, or where you live, um, you're going to be in that uh, in that kind of lottery situation of of having to pay the whole thing out of your own pocket. And of course, if you don't have a good uh, uh, health plan with your employer, which again tends to go towards the people who are on, on the least wonderful jobs with the least money, um, you're you know you're very much on your own. So I mean, ultimately, this. So it all boils down to the fact that the government should be paying for this, right? <laughs> there should be a unified system, just as there is with a with GPs, that everybody can go and see a some kind of talk therapist, 
um, or, or someone who can then refer them in the right direction um, if they need medication, if they need um, whatever. Is, is there any province in Canada that, that does fund mental health in that way, in that kind of unified way? Hmm. My, I am not entirely sure about that, but my my optimistic answer is I would hope so. I would love mm-hmm. to see us get to that support, to that, that point where people can get that mental health support because... Yeah, I mean, as was mentioned, you know, if I break my arm or if I have a sore back or something, yes, I can go get that care that I need. It's not always the same thing with mental health. And it's, you know, cost is one of the barriers to getting support, um, even looking at transportation. You know, if my counselor or there's the support that I can get is across town or in a different area of Halton and I don't have transportation, that can affect people's access. Um, also, what if someone's symptoms would make it very difficult for them to get support. So, you know, I'm feeling so anxious that I feel like I can't go out to that appointment. So there are just so many barriers to getting that kind of support that I think we still have a lot of work to do to make things, you know, as easy as they can be for people and as smooth as they as they can be. Yeah. I mean, the irony is, of course, that that if you're really feeling low, the thought of going to see a therapist, leaving the house <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and talking about yeah. yourself is the last thing you want to do. You know, uh, it's, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, as someone who's done that, been there and done, <laughs> bought the t-shirt, uh, do it people is well worth it. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess the, I mean, I mean, if, if, if I was a member of, of, well, any recent provincial government, I, I know what I might throw back at these sort of uh, suggestions that we that we need to just pay cough up the money for this and that's just you know ha- taxpayers pockets don't go on forever how do you counter that that kind of financial argument that well we just simply can't afford this kind of approach mm-hmm I know, again, there's a lot of advocacy being done by our CMHA Ontario division really weighing in uh, with the government to say this is really the need that's there and this is really what we feel that I need because when we look for, when we look at the proportion or the percentage of annual health funding that mental health receives, it's, it's a really low percentage. But we know that more and more people, again, during the pandemic, I said almost 80% of people are saying that they're struggling, experiencing declining mental health. We've got more and more people saying that they're using substances more. So there's some supports that may be possible there. So I think, you know, one thing to think at is really to think about is look at that mental health is part of our overall health. It's not like we have, okay, there's health, which is really just physical health, and then mental health kind of takes a backseat. It's not really that important. No, our mental health is a key component of our mental health, of our, of our overall health. So if we're looking at, okay, really, if we could get people the support that they needed for their mental health, it could improve their overall health and really mean less demand on the health system for other kinds of things that they might be experiencing. Um, one of the, uh, we had a, a, another guest on a few weeks ago, uh, Ashley uh, uh, Comrie, who, who had COVID-19. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was those who have COVID, who, who've contracted COVID-19 and survived, they're still facing with kind of long-term health implications from the the pandemic um stuff that like we point out is going to cost us the taxpayer long term 
um, that you know for various reasons, you know all all sorts of sorts of illness, long term ramifications of the of the of the the disease. I'm wondering maybe we can touch a bit about the long term ramifications of this pandemic on our collective mental health because as you just said, you're hearing more cases of uh, uh, substance abuse and that and that kind of thing like we're. I kind of want to get a sense of like this. This isn't like as soon as like the restrictions are lifted tomorrow. They say, "Okay, everybody, pandemic's over. We 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 beat COVID nineteen. Everybody go back to normal." It's not going to be quite normal, is it? I mean, the, the, this we've been doing this for over a year now. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. It's that it's the exposure to prolonged stress. I think because again, all of us have experienced stress. We've all experienced declining mental health. So if it's hey, I've got this really busy time at work and I feel really stressed for a couple of weeks. Okay, but then that's done and I get to kind of regroup and care for myself and hopefully boost my mental well-being back to where it was. But again, this has been going on for months. So it's the prolonged exposure to stress, to uncertainty, to worry, all the things that we've talked about that I think may mean, you know, it could possibly mean that it may take people longer to recover and get back to that point of having positive mental well-being is, and okay, you know, if I, if I spend those couple weeks in the, the stressful time or whatever, you know, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably remember what are the things that I used to do to cope for my mental wellness, but here our life and the things, our routines have just been completely turned upside down. So it's almost like people may need to relearn, okay, in this new normal that I've heard it described as many, many times, how am I going to do this? You know, based on what I've experienced and the ongoing limitations, what is going to work in order for me to maintain my wellness? So that may look very different for individuals than how it used to look before the pandemic. I hear you on that one. And ultimately, it's one of these one of these things that's that's uh, uh, yeah. I, it was it was interesting. I, I think a couple of months ago, I think I actually looked up the the sort of definitions of, of the health services that provinces are obliged to provide to their citizens by the federal government. So it's like you know, basically, there's a, a I can't what the act's called, but it's thou shalt provide a health service. Um, uh, and no one in it does it say apart from mental health. Um, mental health is excluded. Um, it's you will provide for your citizens all the healthcare needs that they they have. You know that that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very strange that we we, we got into this situation where where um, which I guess is purely a product of the way that mental health was viewed in the past, but it's not viewed that way anymore. Nobody thinks anymore that that. Uh, the way our minds work is somehow separate from from our physical bodies or any less important you know? um so hopefully we're in a, in a we're starting to get to a situation where there's going to be a serious pressure on governments to to provide the funding that's needed and i mean really it it it's going to pay for itself i would think i mean i think it's mm-hmm. it's one of those classic cases of you know a, a penny in prevention is better than um hundred dollars of cure you know um mm-hmm. it, it um when we we look at many uh again outside of covid kind of social ills uh, addiction things that that lead to major kind of knock-on effects in society they often come back right back to mental health untreated mental health problems um mm-hmm. so it's it's uh well let's hope we're 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 getting into a world where we're uh, governments will seriously consider that um, 
because I think it's it's well past overdue. I I I I do I I do have a, a question that just popped into my head. Um, is mental health a class issue? Um, because I'm I'm thinking, if I am rich and I have lots and lots of money, I can pay somebody to I can pay to sit down with somebody for an hour to talk out my my issues. I can pay the the cost for uh, medication if I if I need to, or my, I, my I'll probably have a job that has a good drug plan that will cover the cost of that, um, etc. If I'm working a frontline uh, essential job as we call them now in the pandemic. If I'm if I'm working like you know, frontline in in Walmart or Amazon or or wherever, I don't have access. Like my 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 employer will probably not cover that kind of stuff. Yet, you know, they're still expected to show up for work. Still expected, you know, to have a smile on and and greet the customer and all that stuff. Is mental health like a a class issue? You know, is is it maybe is that a way that we should be reframing this uh this issue? We definitely do see that, that there are definitely some equity issues. You know, really what we want to see is, is everyone able to get the support that they need? Does everyone have that access? And, you know, based on similar things that you said, the answer is no. Again, not everyone. If someone's in a position of saying, yes, I can I can see a counselor or yes, I'm on a waiting list for a psychiatrist, but that's going to be eight or nine months, which is not unusual. What do I do? Do I wait those eight or nine months with no support? Uh, because I don't, I'm I'm not in a financial position where I can pay for that private counselor. So we do definitely see a lot of barriers get in the way of that equitable access. And that's something that we're really advocating and trying to change. But something else that we're really trying to focus on is what is the range of mental health services that are available? Kind of what is that continuum? Because often what what we'll have is, you know, people they're they're referred to a psychiatrist. They're on that wait list for quite some time, but a psychiatrist isn't necessarily the most appropriate support for what they are experiencing. Maybe it is something like calling our free calling counseling at CMHA, you know, maybe a couple of appointments will really get that person the support that they need. And then it eliminates the need to sit on that wait list or use those more expensive services that may be available. So that's Another thing I know that CMHA has really been focusing on is what are the accessible services that we can provide? Um, Another great one is a program called Bounce Back, which is a phone support program that's available across the province to help people cope with mild to moderate depression or anxiety. And that's totally free. And we hear amazing things about that program and the difference that it makes, but it's making people aware that these services are out there. So, you know, it would be great if people could get the right service at the right time in the right place that is comfortable for them. And we're trying to make some steps towards that. I think we still have a ways to go because there's a, a lot of challenges with that. And it's, again, we see impacts not just on the people themselves, but on their on their family members as well. So we know that it has really wide reaching impacts when people don't get that right support when they need it. Uh, it's, it's I, I'm just going to... Uh sort of uh, repeat what you just said which is there are just such phenomenal despite the the shortcomings that we've been talking talking about in terms of funding the uh, mental health professionals in in well certainly in Holton which I can speak to directly but I'm sure across the the 905 region and across Ontario are absolutely fantastic um it's, it's a matter of, of finding them <laughs> I mean that that's putting it not quite fairly that that people 
you know that one of the weaknesses is educating people the best ways into the system but the, there is a fantastic system there um uh for for people once once they get in there so i mean i've been i i certainly cannot complain about the uh 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 levels of support that i've received over the years has been absolutely wonderful and i want to you know congratulate everybody who's been involved and there's been a few people oh, um, now with um I, I guess you know another major factor in in the mental health story at the moment with covid is is the situation specifically with with children um is there any kind of uh trends that, that you've been able to notice so far in in, in how young people are handling um, these prolonged periods of, of isolation or being away from school. I know some children seem to do well with online learning. Others don't do so well. Um, what, what have you been seeing? Yeah, I can speak, you know, from my own experience as a mom and, you know, talking to other people, I know that I think for a long time, and I feel we moved on from this, but for a long time, I felt like the, a lot of people were thinking, well, you know, mental health problems, we don't see those until people are older, like it's the adolescence or whatever, but we know that really young kids, we definitely see, can see declining mental health. It may show up a little bit differently than it does in adults, but we know that their mental health is affected as well. So it's, you know, things that I'm hearing are, you know, the the limits on socialization, that social development is such a key part of young people's developments, uh, development. But, you know, when schools are online for, you know, very valid safety reasons, I understand that, but it definitely limits some of that kind of development, the social development, um, you know, the creativity that they might have in different, part, different parts of schools. Um, even kids sensing what may be going on with their parents as well. If parents are stressed, that may mean maybe they're spending less time with the kids. Maybe they're not engaged. Parents are trying to juggle working from home and supporting their kids. And kids can definitely uh, pick up on that. They're smart little people. I think sometimes they don't get the credit that they will pick up on those kinds of things. So I think it's one thing that I, that, I really am hearing people talking about parents talking about is really as much as possible trying to have those conversations with kids and trying to talk to them from a really young age about mental health, you know, in an age appropriate way. But, you know, in talking about their feelings and helping them build skills for resilience as well, because yeah, maybe those skills would be a little bit different than what we would do as adults, but it's sending that message early that this is something that we want to talk about let's talk about how we can cope with it. But yeah, I've heard a lot about how kids are really being impacted. And yeah, you know, I've seen lots of people looking on the bright side saying, oh, but you know, this is really going to build some resilience in our kids and build some coping strategies. And yes, maybe it will. But in the moment, kids are struggling. There's a, a campaign going on right now with uh, CMHA and some other partners that's called Everything is Not Okay. And it's focusing on we really need to look at our the supports for youth and really doing something about wait times and making those supports more available because generally the earlier somebody can get support with declining mental health or struggles that they might be having, having generally the better the outcome is and the smoother that journey is. So we, if we can start with kids, I mean, we've got a great local organization called Rock, which is a reach out center for kids um, that offers some wonderful services. But yeah, it's something that uh, I'm hearing more and more parents talk about and really I, recognizing it during I the can, pandemic. Especially. I can definitely, uh, uh, I can definitely attest to that. My, my, uh, 
my uh, my oldest daughter is in uh, is in school, so she's doing she's of course doing the virtual schooling as everyone else is these days. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you hear from I can I've heard from other parents that um, some kids are yeah they're they're adapting they they're getting along with virtual or online schooling, and then others just say, you know, they went from like a straight A, you know, a- attentive student to just kind of this. You know, they say like they're not themselves. They they're they're withdrawn. They're 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 showing signs of depression uh, in some cases, and I, I get it. I mean, it, it's you know, I'll be, I'm not going to tell someone to you know, suck it up and and you know buck up and, and deal with it because I it's just it doesn't it's just not a, a ideal situation. I can and you know it's one of those things that if you're in if your kid was in school and they were a thriving student, you know, just eager to go, energetic, they got straight A's, they were participating in all that stuff. This this isn't the same, and I, I totally I I get that. Um, I see we're we're coming mm-hmm. up on our, our forty minute mark. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm gonna just leave it to you, Melanie. What you know if, if there's some if somebody's uh, listening right now and they are, you know they they've been having a hard time with this pandemic and they're just they're 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 at their wits end and they're just they're 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 feeling they're feeling stretched over too much toes. They're they're just they're they're too spread too thin. What words would you would you tell them? What would you tell them to uh, to do? I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that every single one of us in this pandemic, we're doing the best that we can. Nobody has lived through a pandemic before, and so I would encourage people like remember that perfect at this point kind of goes out the window. We're all doing the best we can, and it's maybe you're doing things a little bit differently than you might normally do them. And that's okay. Sometimes it's, it's what gets us through. Um, but I think it's also really taking a time to reflect on what are the things that really nurture our mental health. So no, we can't visit people in person, but if there's that friend or that family member, that's always a great support. Do what you can to reach out for them, uh, to them. Think about other types of supports as well, You know, whether it's going for a walk outside or doing yoga or whatever it is. Uh, finding those things that may be helpful to you and just take it day by day. There's so much uncertainty. And I know that that's what's weighing on a lot of people is, well, am I going to be able to, when we think about young people, am I going to have my graduation? Am I going to, you know, have these things that I'm looking forward to? So really taking it day by day. And I think recognizing as well, when you may need to reach out for more supports, if you feel like what you're experiencing is getting in the way of your regular day-to-day functioning. You're struggling to do the things that you might normally do. Uh, consider reaching out for further support. So uh, again, one thing that I can suggest is the free calling counseling that we have at CMHA. Uh, the number for that is 289-291-5396. Uh, so it's free. There's no wait list. There's no appointment. You call, you leave a voicemail and a counselor will call you back and and have a chat. So really recognize that, yeah, you know, there's a lot going on and really accept that, well, it's typical for our mental health to be affected in situations like this. Don't be hard on yourself for that. Recognize that we're in an extraordinary situation and really think about what, what is going to work for you and don't be afraid to reach out for those, for those further supports. Absolutely. Uh, I'll say we'll, we'll make sure that those uh, phone numbers uh, and the one for coast as well gets into the show notes um, for anybody who uh, doesn't catch the number while they're listening. And um, uh, yeah, I, again, I will just reiterate that um, anybody who's feeling 
that they can't cope should definitely reach out because uh, you won't regret it. You know, it's um, everybody in the end of the day could benefit from a therapist, whether you're the most healthy, mentally healthy person in the entire world. It's um, it, 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 you know, it's never something that, that can't help. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would agree. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for coming on today and uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.